I have written before about the possible links between free will, consciousness, creativity, explanations, knowledge and choice. Links in the description to this video or podcast for that. That article I'm referring to now was itself me riffing off a brief passage in The Beginning of Infinity by David Deutsch, which appears on page 157, part of Chapter 7, Artificial Creativity. In this passage, David refers to AI, artificial intelligence, but he's referring to the earlier traditional usage. These days, we would say AGI. The passage I'm referring to goes like this, quote, AI abilities must have some sort of universality. Special purpose thinking would not count as thinking in the Turing sense intended. My guess is that every AI is a person, a general purpose explainer. It is conceivable that there are other levels of universality between AI and universal explainer, constructor, and perhaps separate levels for those associated attributes like consciousness. But those attributes all seem to have arrived in one jump to universality in humans, and although we have little explanation of any of them, I know of no plausible argument that they are at different levels or can be achieved independently of each other. So I tentatively assume that they cannot. End quote. David Deutsch in Chapter 7 of The Beginning of Infinity. We have little explanation of any of them, and nor do I, nor do I pretend to, here and now. But I do want to probe them a little further. And here I want to focus more narrowly today just on consciousness and creativity. Have you ever done something on autopilot? Of course you have. We all have. Many of us have had the experience, whether we walk, drive or ride a regular route between work and home or the shops and home or wherever and home, that we can make the journey on a particular day and never quite recall exactly how it is we got from A to B. Others know what it's like to work in some place, assembling a thing over and again and doing the same repetitive motion over and again. We have a term, second nature, to describe those activities so familiar to us they appear to be part of our being, a natural part. It's second nature to me now how to use parts of certain video editing software to make my podcasts. I used to have to think carefully about each and every step, but no more. It's second nature. Second nature, or doing things on autopilot, tends to apply to activities that become rather straightforward to do and which we are not attempting to improve. So sport in general does not count because although we might be highly competent at a particular skill, there we are also trying hard to improve, if only in the slightest way possible, and we are having fun with that exact thing. It is more often the mundane things that can tend to be handed over to the unconscious, or at least less conscious part of the mind. Assembling widgets, knitting, driving a car or riding a bike along a familiar road is like this. Those things can often be largely automated by our own minds and bodies. We may become not so much bored by such an activity, but we are not actively trying to improve our performance in that activity. We reach a certain level of competence we know gets the job done, and at that point it becomes so routine we can actually begin to allow our minds to do other things. We were doing that activity automatically, or rather, unconsciously. It is not to say we were unconscious while doing it strictly, but whatever part of the mind is devoted to controlling that part of our behavior is somehow operating without our consciously paying attention to it, moment to moment, or at least much attention to it, 
Creativity may still be going on, but it is of an unconscious kind. It frees us up to think of other things, to put most of our creativity into paying attention to our other conscious thoughts. I think this capacity of human beings to do things on autopilot, or unconsciously, even though it is not strictly unconscious, is a clue as to the connection between consciousness and creativity. If I am riding an unfamiliar route on my bike, I can be listening intently to an audiobook and might travel many kilometres and by the end of the journey have a reasonably good recollection of each part of that journey. I can recall landmarks, a particular dog that barked in some yard, a child running in the opposite direction pursued by their mother pushing a pram. I have a more vivid recollection if this is the first time I have been along that particular route. However, in the case of a far more familiar route, one I have completed hundreds of times before, the activity itself manages to get done by a part of my mind not paying attention to the landmarks. Indeed, I can get all the way home and catch myself and wonder, how did I get here? This is especially true if engrossed in something else. For those concerned about safety, this is on a track devoted entirely to pedestrians and bicycles, and I only ever ride very slowly. This phenomenon, by the way, has a name. Highway hypnosis, or road hypnosis. You can look that up on Wikipedia. And it can be very dangerous. I do not wish to discuss the dangers and will rather just refer to the somewhat less dangerous form I am personally more familiar with. The riding of a bicycle. And not on any road, much less a highway, alongside many other vehicles travelling at high speeds, carrying passengers. The analogue of highway hypnosis crops up in many places. Riding a bike along a familiar track is obviously very closely related. The riding of the bike becomes almost like breathing. It's not as if I cannot suddenly take control of the autonomic nervous system in this regard. Should a child dart suddenly across the path in front of me, suddenly I can be brought back to the present moment, so to speak, and slam on the brakes, and there we have it. Creativity is back in the saddle and the audiobook I was listening to entirely forgotten as I try to avoid injury to us both. One might even at that moment apply consciousness directly to the breath in an attempt to calm down. Take a deep breath and all that. Consciousness and creativity are focused on the here and now at that moment. But if I resume the journey after some time, I can return to paying attention to just what I was listening to, but I have to rewind to pick up what I've missed. Consciousness is a fickle thing that's not like to be split between activities, at least not evenly split. But it can readily switch in this case to, once more, not paying attention, certainly not in the same way, to riding, steering, braking and accelerating. Instead, I am focused back on my audio. Having done this route hundreds of times before, the instructions for this journey are there in memory, somehow connected to behaviour, while bypassing consciousness, bypassing creativity. But clearly not entirely. It's not like I am entirely unconscious of the journey. Highway hypnosis is an altered state of consciousness, not a truly unconscious state. But as a matter of subjectivity, it seems probative of this consciousness and creativity link. What makes the difference between a truly dumb, unconscious computer, like say a robot, which is able to move from A to B reliably, and a person doing so in the way I described unconsciously? or under highway hypnosis or something similar. The difference is that of course the person never is actually unconscious. To describe their activity as being completed unconsciously is a manner of speaking, but it is not entirely meaningless. They are, of course, the person conscious. But the part of the mind they are primarily aware of 
and which is laying down memories, is the conscious part, while the part actually completing the task of getting from A to B has been handed over to a part of the mind that is simply performing some instructions with little or perhaps no creativity and seems not to be recorded in memory. In that sense, and to that extent, the person is emulating the behaviour of an AI, completing the task unconsciously, while doing other things with their consciousness, like thinking of other more interesting things, working through more interesting problems than getting from A to B. We, of course, do not know how the mind works in any fine-grained way. This is just a corollary of David's we have little explanation of any of them, namely the features minds have. But we do know, as a matter of personal subjectivity, that there are intrusions possible from the conscious part of the mind into the unconscious, and vice versa, as I have already indicated. But the idea people can learn to perform routine tasks in a way that is so reliable they no longer need to pay barely any attention to them is a clue about the link between consciousness and creativity. Certainly, anything unconscious is not creative. A robot or any existing computer is not conscious. Assume some robot is. Okay, which part of it? Not its hands, for it has no sensation there. Its eyes? But those are just cameras. The processor? It's just some hardware. A person's mind is conscious and we experience qualia, sensations we experience. Sensations precisely in those places where we have nerves for sensation. That aside, we know robots are not creative anyway. If the unconscious is not creative, does the converse hold as well? Is the uncreative always unconscious? Well, we cannot say, and this is controversial, I've written before about whether it follows if other animals being uncreative are conscious in any way that resembles what is going on with people. I will not recapitulate that argument here and now. The link is at www.bretthall.org slash humans and other animals. Just Google to find that one. Can we learn anything about this link between consciousness and creativity ourselves as a matter of deliberate introspection? When some people meditate, they report a sense of not having a self. But if that sense is just a sense that one is not being creative at that moment because of some deliberate intention not to be so, to deliberately drop one's problem, so to speak, it is unsurprising to conclude there is no self if the self is a creative thing that deals with problems. If you look and detect no creativity and the self is that which is creative, then it would seem to be a reasonable conclusion to draw. Of course, the self merely has the potential to be creative. So if it is not being actualized because it is in some kind of idle state, it should not be unsurprising not to notice it, or rather to notice it not doing anything. And for some then, so it's not really there at all, seems a reasonable conclusion to draw. Deliberately not being creative, not being lost in thought, would then be the perfect way to be aware of not being a self. Of course, this is all a kind of empiricist debate. The idea that because we can or cannot sense something about ourselves is no clue whatsoever that such a thing exists or does not exist. The inability to have a sense of self is neither proof nor refutation of anything about the self. It is, at best, a demonstration of one's fallibility, even about the fact of consciousness. And it can be a starting point. It can be a problem to be explained. What the self is, is a question, in need of good explanation, not merely a sensation or an experience. Insofar as it is an experience, once again, we are returned to the question, what is the explanation of that experience? 
or experience period, I have no answers here about precisely the link between consciousness and creativity. If we pay attention, which is to say, direct our consciousness to a particular task, what we are doing is bringing into our awareness some activity so that we can think about it, play with it, problem solve and be creative with it, perhaps have fun. Other activities we are familiar with very much can be done, loosely speaking, unconsciously. And although we do not mean strictly unconsciously, we do mean something like automatically. Like an automaton, we are not quite problem solving in the same way, to the same degree, when we are on autopilot driving home or riding a familiar path or performing that same daily task. Or in other words, in that particular domain, we are not learning, not truly learning. We are entities that learn. We cannot switch that capacity off, but we do seem to have the capacity to learn how to learn while doing other things we have already learned, if that is not needlessly convoluted. To rephrase, once we have conjectured the knowledge, then tested it in the world, and found that it solves our problem, then this knowledge can run like an algorithm, it seems, directing our behavior, while that which we really are, the conscious creative entity that is a person, is able to move on to learning other things. This happens when we are on so-called autopilot. Our creativity and consciousness is elsewhere for a time, working on other problems for which we do not know solutions in that particular area. Like, for example, with me, what might be said next in the audiobook? But the unconscious mind, that under highway hypnosis, while it might be solving problems in some sense, knowing which way to steer and when to pedal a little harder or when to apply the brake, cannot deal with the unexpected so well. For if it does encounter the problem not encountered before, consulting its existing library of instructions about what to do next is of no use. And so a message needs to be sent quick smart to take over consciousness again. Why? Because we need some creative thinking. As I have flagged, I think these facts are important clues about not merely a link, but a necessary connection, if not a continuum of a kind, between consciousness and creativity. And is one reason my guess is that it is just not possible in the AGI debate to think we could ever build a system that is truly creative, but simultaneously unconscious. I think the idea that it is possible arises from that empiricist mistake people make when thinking deeply about, for example, what happens when they have been meditating. In thinking back to their experience, they feel they have had a sensation of what consciousness is in some direct way and conclude, wrongly, that it can be entirely divorced from thinking because they feel as if they are not identical to thoughts while only having them. This may contain a grain of truth. One is not identical to their thoughts or any particular thought. They merely have thoughts and ideas, as I have argued elsewhere. Link in the description. But if consciousness is something more like the potential for creativity, then we can witness rare occasions such as during highway hypnosis, flow states and mindfulness, where our creativity is not being utilized hardly at all during that activity and is freed up to do otherwise. But the point is, it, creativity, is there doing other work and consciousness is there aware of that other work while neither creativity nor consciousness are devoted to the mundane routine task. We ourselves experience our peak of creativity and productivity when most conscious most awake and aware and alive, precisely in those places 
we are devoting most of our attention to. When tired or working on autopilot, we are less aware of what we are doing, less conscious in a sense, and necessarily I would say less creative about those things. I do not think this is merely a correlation, but something deeper. Is creativity consciousness, exactly? Are they two words labelling some unifying quality of mind which a future theory thereof will illuminate for us? Are both of them but two facets of some third more complicated thing which incorporates equally contentious notions of free will, qualia and more besides? We don't know. But it should be telling that our own experience of consciousness and of being creative is telling us something about reality even if it is not easy to put these experiences into words. But the fact we cannot easily speak of these things is no reason to think we cannot speak of these things. It just means we do not know how yet. We lack good explanations. But that's just to say, we have some problems. And until these problems are solved, attempting to provide good explanations of whether some AI is or is not conscious or creative will be entirely elusive if we cannot provide an equally good explanation of how it is that we humans are.